Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the 19th Psalm, if you would please, Psalm 19. And we are going to read from verse 14. And I'm going to share with you about the government of the tongue. Aren't you glad? And everybody said, Hallelujah. Just can't wait to hear that message, brother. Hope you stayed up all night working on it. <laughs> oh, Father, let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to be open. May each one, dear Father, God be quickened according unto your word and never be the same again. May each one be changed from glory to glory by your spirit, from faith to faith. Hallelujah. Be glorified in all that we say, in all that we do. Anoint it, Father God, that it would go forth in power and demonstration of your might. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In Psalm 19, verse 14, this should be our prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in the sight of my mother-in-law, O Lord. doesn't say that, does it? No, it says, be acceptable in thy sight. Amen. In whose sight? In his sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's read that again. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength. And my Redeemer. The Word of God has much to say about words, about the tongue, and also about the power of speech. As a matter of fact, if you'll study the Word carefully, you'll find out that the power of speech involves a grave responsibility. Every individual is responsible when it comes to the use of speech. The tongue and words. Our words are to be chosen thoughtfully, not carelessly, not lightly or thoughtlessly. Our words are to be chosen reverently, discreetly, soberly, and in the fear of God. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. O Lord. You see, He hears the words that we speak. He knows the things that we say. If you'll turn to Proverbs chapter 18, you'll discover a reason why our words should be chosen reverently, discreetly, soberly, and in the fear of God. In Proverbs chapter 18, and we look at verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words are containers of life and death. 
And the tongue, according to the Word of God, can set the course of one's life for good or for evil, for blessing or for cursing, for prosperity or provision or for poverty, for failure or success. You see, too often many have failed to realize that their words play a big part in their success. Your words can set the course of your life for healing and health or sickness and disease. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33, let's turn to that. Jesus himself said that the tongue is an index of our character. You can have revealed to you the character of an individual by listening to what he has to say. Listening to his choice of words. Listening to how he speaks. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. In chapter 12 and verse 33, Jesus said, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure or deposits of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Did you hear that? Not by the words of another, but by your own words. In other words, your words are an index of your character. What you have on the inside is going to come out on the outside in word form. You stick to a person close enough, hang around them long enough, and you'll begin to discover exactly who they are. You can appear one way on the outside for a season or for a while, but once again, if someone listens to the words that you have to say, they'll discover very quickly exactly the way you are on the inside. And that's why Jesus said, make a decision to make the tree good and its fruit good. Do something about your character. Do something about who you are in spirit. And then let that be revealed in word form. Out of the abundance of the deposits of your heart, you will bring forth good things. You will set the course of your life for good and not for evil, for blessing and not for cursing, for joy and not for sorrow, for success and not failure or defeat, for healing and not for sickness or disease, for prosperity and not for poverty, for provision and not for lack. And it's all done according to the words that we choose. And on that great day of judgment, beloved, as Jesus said right here, will be justified or condemned by our own very words. As a matter of fact, words spoken by the individual will determine their destiny. I do believe that on that particular day, Jesus will ask individuals what they said about Him, and they will hear themselves saying or responding in their own words. No, no. I don't want to make Jesus my Lord. I don't believe in God. And their very words will condemn them. 
and they'll enter into eternity apart from God forever based on the very words that they spoke. They will be judged by their own words. On the other hand, those that accept the plan of God, those that flow with the program of God will say, yes, I make Jesus Savior and Lord of my life. Yes, I will serve Him all the days of my life. Yes, I will take my place within the body of Christ. Yes, I will fulfill the will of God my Father. No, I refuse to give place to the devil. No, I will not give in to, to temptation. I refuse, I refuse to walk in darkness. Those words will justify. Those words will liberate. Those words will make you free. Hallelujah. You see, beloved, if the tongue is used as an instrument of sin, then our hearts are not conquered by the grace of God. In other words, if we're still speaking out with a tongue that is an instrument of sin, it's a revelation of the fact that there's much development needed within the heart of the individual. Thank God for grace. But that grace needs to be developed within the human heart. Grace is the operational power of God at work within the heart of the child of God. We want every department of our being developed in God. And if we'll do our part to develop our spirit man, then out of the abundance of the heart, we will speak. If our spirit man is underdeveloped, then our speech will not be becoming as a Christian. In other words, it's like a monitor. You can discover exactly where a person is at by the words that he speaks or that he chooses to use in this life. If one is growing in God, that will be recognized by his speech. His talk or his words or his speech will lead him, guide him, and direct him into ways that are good. And protect him from the ways that are evil. If a person out there is saying, I have a problem with this, or I have a problem with that, there must come a time when the person begins to change his speech and become responsible for his words. And start saying, no, I refuse to give place to that any longer. The word that he or she speaks will begin to set in motion spiritual laws that will affect change within the human heart. And eventually change within the person's actions. And they'll be able to walk in the light of the will of God for their lives. If you want change in your life, beloved, you must begin with your tongue. And if you'll speak right things, your path will become straight before you. If you'll speak right things, you'll have the direction of God in your life. If you'll see to it that your speech is seasoned with salt, you'll have the operation of God in manifestation. In Luke 17 and verse 5, we have another revelation given to us by Jesus. Here he is talking to his disciples and he says, after they had asked him about increasing their faith, 
If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say, faith, listen, faith is released with words. The words that I speak locate my faith. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say, what is the primary action of faith in the life of the child of God? His words. You might say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and planted into the sea, and it should obey you. You would say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And doubt not in your heart, but believe that what you are saying will come to pass and you will have whatsoever you are saying. What is Jesus teaching? The power of words. The importance of speech. The responsibility of the child of God to take serious the words that fall from his lips. If you had faith, you would say. See, what you say indicates where your faith is at. And if what we are saying harmonizes with darkness, how deep is that darkness? But if what we are saying harmonizes with the light of God's Word, how bright and how glorious is that light? God wants us to recognize the fact that our words play an important part in our faith. In James chapter 1, if you would please. Here we have another inspired writer by the Spirit of God who begins to unveil to us the importance of words and the power of speech. He makes some very bold statements, beloved, under the unction of God's Spirit. James writing to us in the New Testament gives us wisdom and practical application of the Word of God in the life of the believer. James, the book of James, is the Proverbs of the New Testament. And in James 1 and verse 26, he says this, If any man among you seems to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is worthless, empty, and vain. What he is saying is that an unbridled or ungoverned tongue is the sure sign of empty religion. There's nothing to it. If the person has not taken seriously the fact that he is responsible to bridle his tongue and control his words, then his religious duties, as far as God's concerned, are in vain. The things that he does are meaningless, empty and worthless in the sight of God. It's one thing to have on a Sunday suit and then the rest of the week talk as if you don't even know God. 
And that's what James is talking about. His book is written to people who are not living up to the standards of Christianity. They are professing to know God, yet they are not controlling their lives by controlling their words. Their actions and their speech do not line up daily with their profession of faith in Christ. Faith without corresponding actions is dead being alone. A man may claim to be saved, but by what he says and what he does really determines whether or not he is. For there shall be fruit in the life of every child of God. Fruit that demonstrates his salvation. He also goes on to say in chapter 3, that bold chapter. My goodness. Let's begin reading at verse 1 and then we'll expound. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word or speech, the same is a perfect, mature man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, but boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God." Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. He is saying that controlled tongue earmarks is the earmark of a mature Christian. One who is spiritual, one who is growing in God, is one who has learned to control his tongue. His controlled tongue promotes his spiritual growth and development. Also, he says that a controlled tongue is a method to govern the passions of the flesh. Those who say, I can't help being the way I am, I can't control the things I do, need to recognize their need to first and foremost work on controlling and governing the tongue through a sanctified will. And if they will do that, then they will learn the secret to controlling or governing the passions of the flesh. One might be given to anger, or one might be given to jealousy, and they know not what to do to overcome. They need to recognize their need to speak in harmony with the Word of God, to say things that will promote their ability to keep in check their anger or their jealousy or whatever the lust or the passion might be. James is making it very clear that even though the tongue is a little member, that little member does great things. A ship is huge 
Without the rudder, it'll just go about aimlessly at the mercy of the wind and the waves. It will not be on the right course at all. Why? It's not being governed by anything or controlled by anything. And although it's a small part of the ship, it plays a vital role in its control and destiny. So is the tongue among our members. It has a definite effect upon the entire makeup of man. The one who learns this secret and learns to govern his words and control his speech is one who is also able to rattle his whole body, to keep it in check. Beloved, the tongue that's under the control of a sanctified will will keep a person on course with God. Anyone who wants to stay on course with God must recognize their need to speak right things and to say those things that will promote their growth, their development, and their fulfillment of the will of God for their lives. He goes on to say also that the tongue is a world of iniquity. Well, we can preach for a month on that one statement alone. The tongue is a world of iniquity. A world of it. That little member, that small part of the human anatomy is an absolute world of iniquity. It's full of deadly poison so that it defiles the entire body. It contaminates the entire body. Think about that just for a moment. How our words can be used against ourselves. Our words can be a tool in the hand of Satan for our own destruction. And too often many fail to realize that and they wonder why things are happening. He goes on to say that the tongue is hell-inspired. Think about that for a moment. The sparks which make it blaze so fiercely and fatally are hell-inspired. Did you hear that? You see, beloved, a fiery tongue and evil talk is the devil's ammunition. He'll use your own power against yourself if he could get you to speak his language. That's why when people are depressed... They feed on the very words of depression. If they continue talking in harmony with those words, they will continue to be bound by depression. If they do not change their speech, they cannot change their outlook. They will not change their attitude and they will be forever bound. If one wants to be free, one must recognize the importance of changing his or her speech. And one must recognize the need to get off the cycle of nature. That cycle that is set on fire of hell 
that is hell ignited and give place to the mighty power of the Word of God in their lives. They must make that decision to choose right words, to speak right things, to shut the door to the devil and open the door to the activity of God's mighty power and glory. See, beloved, God watches over His Word to perform it. And when God's Word is hidden in the heart and released through the mouth, God watches over it. It is His Word that fills our mouths with faith. It is His Word that creates those things that are needed. It is the authority of His Word that defeats our enemies. All things are upheld, propelled, sustained, maintained by the mighty Word of God's power. And when the Word is spoken through the lips of the child of God, the very life, nature, ability, and substance of God come on the scene. Can you see why Satan wants his words in our mouths? Can you see why God said, Let the weak say, I am strong. And let those that are fearful say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Those words give place to the mighty working of God's power. Those words remove us, us from the cycle of nature that is set on fire of hell. In the book of Ephesians, if you would please, another Holy Ghost-inspired writer makes reference to our speech, our words, and the use of the tongue. In Ephesians in chapter 4, Beginning at verse 9, the Apostle Paul, who was taught the gospel by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, said, Let no corrupt or evil communication proceed out of your mouth. What a statement. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Let no corrupt communication proceed. Who has the authority to prevent its flowing out of the mouth. We do, don't we? Don't let it happen. He goes on to say, But that which is good to the edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Corrupt communication grieves God's Spirit. Beloved, words are to be used to edify, to build up, and to minister grace to people. Do you realize that God has provided for us a selection of words that can be used to lift up the most downtrodden individual? To uphold one whose countenance has fallen? God has given us His Word that can be used to put something of substance 
into another person's life. Words that heal. Words that affect change. Words that renew minds. Words that lift the countenance. We have to believe in our words. Speak that which edifies. Speak that which ministers grace. Did you hear that? You have the ability to minister grace, God's operational power to someone through the right choice of words. I have often had it told me, after conducting a funeral service, that the words you used built up my spirit. I can live by those words. I will recover by those words. I am comforted by those words. You see, beloved, words are powerful. Containers of life or death. They can heal or they can wound. It depends on the user. And it's our choice. He goes on to say, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and, listen, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Put away from us, from ourselves, evil speaking. As we go on down and read chapter 5, verse 1, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetous, let it not once be once named among you as becometh saints. And you might sit there and boast in the Lord and say, Yes, I thank God I have never fornicated. I have not been covetous. And I have not done that which is filthy in the sight of the Lord. In verse 4, neither filthiness. But look at the rest. Nor foolish talking, nor jesting. We would think it to be a travesty if one fornicated. But one can fornicate with their words and one thinks nothing of it. See, it means to be unclean with our words. Foolish talking, testing, as far as God is concerned, are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Words deceive. Words destroy. Words are powerful. Words form doctrines taught by men that deceive people and lure them into the very trap and snare of Satan himself. The content of our words, beloved, must be filled with the life of God. Words can create, words can destroy, words can deceive, words can promote growth. We must believe in our words. If you'll continue looking at what the New Testament and either 
I'm sorry, also other books of the Bible teach, even in the Old Testament, about our words and our speech. You'll find these things to be true. The tongue can be used for slander, for gossip, for talebearing, lying, deceit, murmuring, complaining, cursing, boasting, idle talk, unclean talk, flattery, hypocrisy, blasphemy, perjury, sarcasm, scoffing, cruel speaking, sowing discord among brethren, backbiting, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. That's a pretty long list. And it all has something to do with our speech. And it's very easy to be engaged in many of these things. I'm sure no one here tonight has ever used sarcasm. Why does he get quiet when you teach like this? Do you ever notice that? Kind of hits home, doesn't it? Let's go back to the book of Proverbs in chapter 6 and let's just take a stroll through the book of God's wisdom, practical wisdom. And let's just look at some things that the Bible does say about the tongue and about our words. Words can be spoken that wound people's lives. Abusive words and cruel words can wound the very spirit of an individual. And you know, some people are highly developed in the use of those words. It is their means of communicating. If they want to get a point across, they feel as though the use of words that are hurtful is going to help them make their point. And that's why when people end up in arguments, they all of a sudden begin to select a few choice words that under normal situations and circumstances they would not use. And start saying things that they know they should not say and in reality, in some cases, don't even mean. In the book of Proverbs, in chapter 6, verse 2 says, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Words can enslave us and trap us. And if we're not careful and selective in choosing our words, if we're not reverent and discreet and sober when using words, our very words can hold us captive is what this verse is saying. And I realize it's, it's here referring to people that say they'll do things for other people as far as lending money and that sort of thing. But it's also true in all areas of our lives. Our words can hold us in bondage. We can swear to our own hurt and change not. We can say things that we don't mean in reality, but then find ourselves being governed by those very words. You realize that you can say, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it long enough until finally you just can't do it. You can say, I won't get well, I'm not going to get well, I can't see myself getting well until finally you are snared by those words and you'll never find your way out to victory.
A person can be snared by the words of his mouth. Let's go on. Look at verse 16 of chapter 6. These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Saying things that sow discord, lying, bearing false witness and all that as far as God is concerned are abomination unto Him. And that is something that we really need to register within our innermost being. God hates these things. He despises these things. And every child of God, everyone who names the name of Christ should run from these things as in terror. Look at chapter 7 and verse 21. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. You know, words can entice someone into an adulterous situation. Words can be used that have that kind of power over someone's life to pull them in, to lure them in, to entice them in. Words are being used. To do what? Allow the passions of the flesh to surface and govern the person's life. Look at chapter 8 and verse 4. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be of an understanding heart. Here, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. What did God, that would be a commitment that every child of God would have. That I will open my mouth to speak right things. And my lips shall utter truth. Look at verse 7. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. In other words, words that go against the plan, the program of God are an abomination unto me, I will speak only those things that promote God's work. Verse 8, All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. Look at chapter 10 of Proverbs and verse 11. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Do you realize you have a source for life? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. You can draw from the well of life by choosing right words. We all can, no matter who we are. Look at verse 18. He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. The tongue of the just is as choice silver, the heart of the wicked is little worth. The word has a lot to say about the tongue. Look at chapter 12 and verse 17. 
He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, words that wound, but the tongue of the wise is health or healing or a medicine. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Did you hear that? The lying tongue is but for a moment, but the lip of truth is established forever. You speak the truth of God and you'll be established forever. But the liar shall vanish away and be cut off. Look at verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. Look at chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth or by the words of his mouth or the selection of words he chooses to use. But the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. Boy, I like that one, don't you? But he that openeth wide his lips shall have what? Destruction. Look at the wisdom that's here. If I want life, I've got to keep my mouth. If I want destruction, just don't bridle the, the tongue. Just don't put a governor in your mouth. It makes us think, doesn't it, about the value and importance of the words that we choose to use in dealing with mankind. Look at chapter 15. Verse 1, A soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. If someone speaks out to you in anger, you can turn away that wrath with a soft answer. But the natural thing is to retaliate and allow our anger and passion rise up against the individual and then just spew out words that promote hurts. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. But the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Verse 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. I love this verse. The tree of life was found in the Garden of Eden. The tree of life would have sustained Adam and Eve. But they were forbidden to partake of it after they had sinned. But you and I have found that we can partake of the tree of life. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach in the Spirit. Look at chapter 16 and verse 24. Pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words, in other words, heal, are soothing, bring peace of mind and health. To our bones. And also in chapter 21, Proverbs 21, look at verse 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from what? Troubles. You ever see somebody who is troubled in their mind and emotions? They need to learn this verse of Scripture. Because you see, beloved, you can't always do it for somebody else unless they are willing to cooperate. And they're going to have trouble in their emotions. 
They're going to have trouble in their soul if they don't learn to keep the mouth and the tongue. We are to not speak out in line with the enemy and his sayings. Even with our feelings and emotions when they violate the Word of God. And if we learn to speak right things, we'll keep our soul even from trouble. And then chapter 23, and this is not an exhaustive study, verses 15 and 16, these are just some things. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice even mine. Yea, my reign shall rejoice when? When your lips speak right things. When our lips speak right things, the wisdom of God rejoices. We are learning to line up with God. We are learning to activate His miracle power. We are giving Him access in and through our lives into the earth when our lips speak right things. Now, beloved, to help us better understand how to fulfill the need to speak right things, write down these general guidelines or rules that we all should use to see to it that we promote this development in our own lives. Guideline or rule number one is to cultivate the heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So make the heart good and the fruit good. See to it that you do your part and that I do my part in cultivating my spiritual life. Let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight of God. In other words, take time to meditate, to think about what you're even hearing tonight. Take time to think about what you are going to choose to do to see to it that you line up with the Word of God in all areas, that I line up with the Word of God in all areas. Meditate, cultivate the heart. Develop it because out of its abundance, the mouth speaks. Secondly, furnish the head with holy and also useful matter for discourse. Furnish the head or the mind with holy, useful matters for discourse. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, what does Romans 12, 2 say? We've got to renew our minds. Every single one of us who is a child of God is not to conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Someone once said that most men's heads are like a bell. They have a tongue and emptiness. There's nothing up there. In other words, they speak without thinking because they have not filled the mind with the right things needful to say. Or they have not learned the discipline of controlling the tongue and so speak with an empty mind. We are to fill the mind with holy, useful matters for discourse. And we do that by reading much. We do that also by study of God's Word. We do that through prayer and meditation. We do that through observation. We do that by listening to others as they speak on good subjects. 
And we do that by disciplining ourselves to write. You know, when you write certain things, there is a discipline involved there that helps you be a more effective communicator. It has an effect upon you. Through your speech, through your observation, through your hearing, all that affects you up here. And when you fill your mind with good things, then you have something to draw from. Your tongue has a selection of words to use that will promote good things in your life and also in the lives of others. Number three, learn the art of silence. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to rap. Learn the art of silence. One great orator, who was also a teacher, was once asked by an individual to teach him, and he was going to pay him to teach him how to develop his oratorical skills. So after listening to this person talk for some time, the one who was skilled said to him, I am going to have to charge you double if you want taught. And he said, well, why? Why would you charge me double and others just one price? And the fellow said, because I've got to teach you both how to speak and also how to be silent. You have not even learned the value of silence. And I mean, he just kept going on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Hadn't learned to be quiet, to be silent. The art of listening. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And by practicing that, beloved, practicing silence, we can learn to control the tongue. Think before you speak, is what he is saying. Slow to speak, swift to hear, slow to wrath. And number four, take heed to your ways. And by that, I mean this. Look at Psalms 39, if you would, please. Psalm 39. Take heed to your ways. Verse 1 says, I said, I will take heed to my ways. I will take heed to my ways. You can say that for yourself. I will take heed to my ways. You know, if you're not careful and concerned about taking heed to your ways, you can forget about discipline and disciplining yourself to speak right things. I remember one time I was sitting at someone's table and I was just observing and being quiet and a lot of talk was going on and finally someone stopped and said, how come you're not saying anything? And someone else said, he's just practicing what he's been preaching. And I found it to be very true that you can learn a lot through observation and just by listening. And also there is a discipline found there. I will take heed to my ways, listen, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Ooh, you talk about it. I worked in a mill. I know what it's all about. Listen to what he says. Let's read all this. I was done with silence 
I held my peace, even from good, and my sorrow was stirred or troubled. My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. In other words, I held it back as long as I could. Then I let them have it, both barrels. I couldn't take any more. And I gave them a piece of my unrenewed mind. And of course, now you regret it. Verse 4. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Listen carefully, beloved. It is not a weakness to keep silent. It is a strength. To hold your tongue is a strength, not a weakness. Anybody can fly off the handle. Number five, found in one, Psalm 141 and verse 3. Ask God's help. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. So not only are we to keep close watch over ourselves, see, take heed to ourselves is somewhat blind. Another translation says, keep close watch over your own life. Keep close watch for yourself. And then add to that, O Lord, set a watch over my lips. In other words, I give you the right to convict me or let me know when I say things that are displeasing to you or words that are not productive to my own growth or development or good in my life. Anything that will get me off the right course, I give you the liberty to correct me. Put a watch over my lips. Also, number six, pray much in the Holy Ghost. Jude 20 says you can build yourself up on your most holy faith. You can keep yourself in the love of God if you pray much in the Holy Ghost. And what you do by doing this is you generate the love of God, you generate the miracle power of God inside you, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Speak it. So controlling the tongue by praying in the Holy Ghost, and if you can control the tongue by praying in the Holy Ghost, you're well on your way to controlling all the other members of your body. You can build yourself up, you can keep yourself in God's love, and you can control the tongue all by praying in the Holy Ghost. And finally, number seven, confess the Word. In Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus gave us the law of faith, and it talks about we're going to have what we say. And if you'll just put together a confession from the Word of God that will help you in your life, control your tongue, it will work wonders in your life. You can actually find one in, in some of the, the prayer books that we have, prayers that avail much. There's a little prayer in there that talks about a confession of faith that talks about watching my words and saying, I dedicate my tongue to speaking right things and setting the course of my life for good things. I choose to speak that which is good and upright and not that which is evil. Confess the Word of God over yourself, over your own life, and you'll find out that it will work to your advantage and enable you to govern your tongue so that you can succeed 
and one of the most important tasks given to us in this life. Because, beloved, if we want our words to create for us, to heal, deliver, set free, free, to use authority over demon powers and all that, then we have got to understand the full scope of words and take all of, of, of what we say seriously. Can you see that? Amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.